Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. We're uh, recording early tonight. I've got a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah no shit, right? Like, I, <laughs> You caught me in the middle of doing... Uh, Doing those fast runs you from my like, Yeah, you look like you're doing some aerobics or something. You got the sweatshirt on. I'm actually, like... yeah, I'm actually heading for the gym right after this. Oh, yeah. All right. But, All right. Um, yeah, I, t- I talked to my son. He goes, well, if you're going to go, I'll go said, you want to go? And he's like, or if you go, I think that's a bet. I think it's a dare. Yeah, he's like, do you go, I'll go. Isn't that, isn't that a line from Backdraft? I don't think he thinks I'll go. And that's think... the line from Backdraft, right? He's holding the yeah. hand. He's like, if you go. I go. I go. Yep. Hey, Jim, can I ask you a question? Ooh. Did you check that door for heat? <laughs> Not yet, but believe me, there are days. There are days. Uh, when a teenager is out in the garage lighting candles all yeah, night. Yeah, then you, gotta, you do like, want to check that door for heat. <laughs> you might want to check yeah. that door for weed. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, no comment from this peanut guy. Yeah. Let's just say it's mm. legal. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we oh. could say it's legal. It will be soon, anyway. Yeah. Well, in Virginia, yeah. Oh, is it? Is it there? I think. I don't know. I, I, I think it just got know. passed. Maybe. I'm bonehead. <laughs> All right. So, um, music. Let's talk about some fucking guitar stuff, man. What, I am is so, there guitars? I am so. I am so stoked. First of all, a little bit of news. Um. Hold up. Had to cough. I wanted to mute myself. Um. So um um. In in guitar news, Paul Reed Smith has announced a semi-hollow version of the PRS CE. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I am fucking I I'm not surprised. I'm just like, okay, now what have I got to do to get one? So next year I'll have to get one. This is one of the few instruments that I think I kind of want to wait and see the track record. Because in general, like when, anytime you make something semi-hollow, I yeah. get kind of leery about you know longevity, and it's just because there's less wood in it and there's less structural stability. I don't think it's going to be an issue with a with a CE. Yeah, but part of me is like, man, what if that neck humps or something? Like, <laughs> it's a lot well, of guitar to have a neck it, hump so in. If you, yeah, well, if you think about it, so the 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 well, first of all, Paul Reed Smith's um, track record with semi-hollows has already been pretty much proven. Yeah. So, well, but the, that difference is bolt-on construction versus set. That is correct, and that's exactly what I was going to get to. So we have the difference in the bolt-on construction. I will admit that if well, we'll see Sweetwater time next year because that's my target time frame. I, you know, and and the thing is, like, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to play one versus an SC twenty four. Semi-hollow. Yeah, that's... Because I've played the SCs, the semi-hollows, and they're really good. Yes, they are. They are. They are very good. So... It's... Again, I will say that Paul Reed Smith has probably got one of the better budget lines. Now, of course, their quote-unquote budget line... This is, starts at 500, so... Yeah. 
So, and that's their that's their budget end of the budget line. So, so it's not like they have a squire line, which I don't think they're interested in getting into that. My, but anyway, let's move let's move along. That's well, I, what I, I'm excited about, and that's what I'm interested in. I got one thing I want to say because my coworker, um, he he, I came in this morning and he was um, he was asking. He's like, "Well, you know, you play guitar. What? You? My, my my son is playing guitar. He's in college, and um, he wants a small amp take for for him to the dorm." And like an electric guitar, because he's only got an acoustic right now. He wants something he's not going to annoy his his uh, cellmates with. I mean, his uh, the people that stay with him <laughs> in, in his dorm or apartment or wherever he's at. So I told him, I, I do. I didn't skip a beat. I looked at him. I said, Katana. I yeah, said, Katana. Boss I Katana. One of the Katana line. I don't care which one. Headphones. I mean, I said anything from the mini on up to the you know to the fifty watt would be adequate for practice. Absolutely. Um, so, and, and I if said, it's only for the dorm room, and he's not going to now. If he thinks for a minute that he's going to start a band with his play, with his yeah, I mean class, the fifty or the one hundred playmates. Yeah. Oh, he's out on the he's out on the playfield. No, he's cellmates, cellmates. Yeah, his cellmates. Then I would definitely get a hundred, but otherwise I would just stick to a, you know. Now the beauty of the hundred watt head is obviously if you have the money, is the fact that you've got that little speaker, little you've got the headphone out. But it is three hundred fifty bucks. So, but if you get the if you get the hundred, you still have the twenty five um, or the twelve inch speaker, and you do have headphone now. Oh, it's a five inch speaker inside, but yeah. Oh, it's a five inch speaker for the yeah, hundred. Yeah, but it, but no, and, it's, and and it's reasonable. I took it to yeah. a rehearsal, and uh, I used the five inch speaker, and I didn't even think about it the entire time I was there, because we were playing at low volumes, and I was just Isn't like, all crazy? right, huh? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. I, I honestly, when I left, I was like, wait, man, I didn't even bring a cab. <laughs> it's like, it yeah. just dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. I just got through a whole rehearsal without a cab. Yeah, um, I do. So, uh, the, the other thing was he's like guitars and he's like, well, I think he's kind of looking at a hollow body. So immediately, you know, what do you, what, what do I think? You know, I go, do you know, blues boy? Like that, that was the first thing that entered my head, like tribute blues boy. You know boy. what? Yeah, and uh, right now there's a Blues Boy on special at Guitar Center um, today only, obviously. Oh, so you get the one with the crappy hardware. No thanks. Um, anyway, I no. So so I was thinking, you know, Blues Boy would be great. What? By the way, what is the uh, the stupid deal on that? Three hundred bucks. Yeah. See, um, they're usually five hundred. So yeah. they're they're doing something to cut that price. But anyway, um, I don't know. I, it, it's the same one they sell for five hundred every day, so it's got to be. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. You know the, be, you it would know be the hard JNL for me. Line better than me. I it would, would take be a hard for me to believe that that's the same hardware. I think the pickups are probably the same, but the same hardware as what you're getting in um, your typical run of the mill. But anyway, I I didn't say that because he goes, well, you know, he's kind of looking at a Les Paul, and I'm going. Well, he's kind of looking at spending a lot of money if he wants a good one. <laughs> I just shut my mouth. <laughs> uh, semi, yeah, semi hole Les Paul. Even in the even in the um, dude, uh, if I if you told me right now I had to buy a budget Les Paul, I walk right into the store and I buy a PRS single cut. Yep. To hell with with Epiphone. Like it just doesn't make sense. No. Um, when you no, get a, by the time you pull the pickups out and pull the hardware off that you want to replace. You're into the SE line. Well, and I know that I know the single cuts are not they're not the the fanciest guitars in the world. The the uh, the the SEs, but well, you know they, they they're not the same as Les Paul. It but they're close enough which, for me. <laughs> no, but it depends on which um, single cut you look at. Yeah, in yeah. the SE line. So anyway, the standard the standard is pretty basic, but it sounds awesome. And for five hundred bucks, you're getting everything you need. Right. Right. So uh, tomorrow night, no, night after tomorrow night, I will be, I will be at my first death metal show. <laughs> I'll be seeing Cannibal. Really? Co- I'll be seeing Cannibal Corpse. Wow. Um, I was initially under the impression the venue would be going to. I would be have a place where I was not involved in the pit, and I'm not really sure that that's true anymore. Um, You're not really built for the pit. I I, I don't an feel age that should be in the pit, Jim. I think it would probably surprise you how how much punishment I could inflict on someone. The problem is, it would probably surprise me how much punishment I could inflict <laughs> on someone. <laughs> People so, will inflict upon you. That's the thing I would be well, scared of. I'm not so much worried about that as so much worried about putting other people in the hospital because I'll be the sober one. Um, but that being said, uh, I will be on the fringes of that environment. I do not want yeah. to be involved in that. That is not my thing. 
I don't go to concerts to get my ass beat. Um, no. Because even if, you know, frankly, yes, if you get in the pit, you're, you're going to come out with bruises. Like, don't act like you're going you're gonna to walk away unscathed, because you will. Um, but, you know, the question is, how, how much damage do you inflict to others? Um, and if I flail wildly like some of these pits that I've seen before, uh, I some people going down because I got I got a lot of weight to throw around. So yeah. <laughs> I, the question is, will I have a heart attack and have to be EMT'd out of there? Um, <laughs> but no, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be really entertaining. I'm going with uh, Dan Kish and uh, a good friend of mine, Dan Hanna. So um, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, we'll have a report on that next week, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, Cannibal Corpse. Yep. Yep. Cannibal Corpse. It'll be a lot of. So, yeah, it'll be great. You know, it's you know, it's almost sad when you think about the death metal, the surge of death metal mm-hmm. um, bands like Guar and stuff like that. Oh, I don't think Guar's really death metal. But yeah, go ahead. I Well, all right. Um, how about Ghost? Ghost is definitely not death metal. No. Ghost is like Black Sabbath. Well, what's what's black metal? Black metal. Is black or, metal close to death metal? Yeah, they're 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 kissing cousins. <laughs> they're kissing you know, cousins. It's <laughs> so terrible. It's <laughs> so terrible to say. <laughs> no, so like I see like they're, they're different. Oh, so so black metal, death metal, extreme metal, they're all very similar in their brutality. But they right. have distinct differences. Um, like extreme metal is tends to be the one that has like the high screeching vocals, if I recall correctly. Um, but I would say, I, I mean, of of the bands that I've been introduced to, I mean, Cannibal Corpse is one of those ones I really like, and they're I, my understanding is they're an American death metal band. So, um, but I was trying to think who's the other band. Um, now, the, what I was is the other is- one I like, and they're and they're Swedish Ooh. death metal. Who's that? It's, uh, Entombed. Yeah. I believe so it's who, Swedish death metal. I believe right, Swedish. What would you say, how long have you, would you say that Cannibal Corpse has been around? A long time. Like 20 years? Possibly longer. How many? 20 years, possibly longer. Yeah. So when you think about it. 1988, Jim. Death metal is classic rock. <laughs> yes, no, it is. And, that, and that's what's funny is like we've gotten around to the point where bands like like Cannibal Corpse and really any of these like fringe super metal groups. Cause I mean, that's what these guys are. They've survived that they weathered yeah, the storm zombies, and uh, Cannibal Corpse, like Morbid Angel and a lot of these yeah. older bands um, have been around for, you know, a number of years now. And they're basically like bordering into classic rock at this point. Which, well, when you think about it, I, I was looking at a, at a uh, 1990 something um, uh, issue of guitar one. And it had Marilyn Manson. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. That's he is classic rock now. Yeah. He is classic <laughs> rock now. And so, you know, the funny thing about him, so Kish, yeah. Dan Kish is a, is a big Manson fan of my understanding. Um, I don't really perceive Manson's music as being metal. Um, I would say more like I, gothic rock. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to put it. When I first heard, I, I, I'll be honest with you. So, Obviously, I'm older. I have a different perspective. But when I saw the first time I saw um, or heard uh, Marilyn Manson, my guys who worked for me on the ship, <clears throat> I think it was on the was it USS Peter? Yeah, it was the Peterson. Um, <clears throat> these guys came in. It might have been on the Mississippi. Anyway, um, yeah, it had to be the Peterson. It was mid '90s, right? That's about the time he broke. Early to mid '90s. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, 94, this would have been about 94 when I first heard him. <clears throat> and I thought, what is this crap? I look back, and there's some good stuff. But I, but yeah, I love the dope show record. At that time. Yeah, I, I listened back, and I really like some of that stuff. I just think that some of it was, it was just too much for me at the time. My, my classic rock brain, <clears throat> Henry, when you think about it, what I listen to is not classic rock anymore. It's oldies. Yeah, your shit. You know, your shit's like it's like it's like crustacean rock. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's hey, that listen. barnacle shit that used to grow on the ships you'd work on. <laughs> Hendrix is in that category. Mr. I know, I know, dude. Hey, I'm not. I'm not. I have no problem admitting that I listen to crusty rock. Um, yeah. 
you know, barnacle rock. If you want to call it, it's not dad rock anymore. It's grandpa. No, it, it, this is like dead in the grave rock. Okay, right. um, when sixty percent of your audience has like passed on. <laughs> oh yeah, I, when I look around me and the number of, um, I know that I've seen more days than I'm going to see, and I and it's scary for me to look into the future. Believe me. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I, I was thinking about that today. So when, uh, Jay Wells posted the, um, thing about kiss, right. <laughs> kiss last episode. Now let's just say what it is. He said, kiss sucks. <laughs> yeah. He said, you know, now said kiss, sucks. which is, which is by the way, Jay, we're not that you have your right to your opinion, even if it is wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. You have your opinion. We have ours. And and uh, and David David has his. I, don't I, think I have mine. I'm keeping fan. my cards close to the chest. I don't. I don't think David is a big Kiss fan. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something from a kid that grew up in the Kiss era. So Kiss released its first album or their first album when it was like eight or nine. So when they when they had their lunchboxes and stuff, I had a Kiss lunchbox. Yeah, I had the little Kiss figures. You know, right along with my Star Wars figures, right? My Luke Skywalker, my Darth Vader. Had to contend with Gene Simmons and you know Paul Stanley. It was like, oh no, Darth Vader! I think ours Ace Freely as Starman would probably fit that better. Yeah, <laughs> Ace Freely, the space, the space. Yeah, he, I thought he was in the the, the <laughs> cantina scene. Come on. Yeah. So yeah, he might have been. Who knows? He was probably playing the riff. But um, <laughs> when you look at the videos, um, uh, that vi- I posted a video today on Jay's uh, little rant and. Um, I, I want to get to something as far as what, what he was ranting about. Cause he has a point, but I want to say that there's another point to it. There's a, there's a, there's point counterpoint. I'm going to go counterpoint here, but anyway. Um, so when you're, um, when you watch that video, if you click on the time that I posted, mm-hmm. you've got Gene and, and Peter kind of doing a bowing thing while Ace is on his knees doing this guitar solo thing. And it's just like, they are bowing to Ace's. Yeah, awesome and, and they were, solo. and they were, they, their shows were extremely choreographed, and so yes, of course, that's you're watching something that everybody who went on to that tour saw. Um, it was consistent. It was like going to. I, I mean, I hate to say it now, as as an older person, but it was like going to McDonald's. You knew what a burger was going to taste like. That was the whole idea of McDonald's, by the way. The whole franchise well, was if you went to a burger joint in um, Iowa, it was going to say this. Tastes the same as as California, as New York, as Florida. It wasn't going to have any difference in the ingredients in it. And that was a Kiss show. When you went to see them, you knew that during Detroit Rock City, they were going to do a certain thing during, um, you know, whatever. And you knew that if you were on that tour and, and um, Rock and Roll All Night was closing a show, Rock and Roll All Night was going to close every show. And, yeah. and, you, and you could talk to your friends and go, Man, did you see that? Oh, yeah, I saw that show in here. And I can do that 25 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later, and still go to my friends and go, man, remember that show? Oh, yeah, I saw it in New York City. Exact same show. Yeah. Well, so, no, I get I get that whole aspect of it. So, like, um, here, here's where, and I'm going to, I'm not playing devil's advocate completely, but I am going to oh, play yeah. some devil's advocate. Yeah. Because um, I kind of, I mean, I, I find myself more on, Jay's side of the argument, not that they suck, but that what they did was not exactly the same thing as, as what everybody else was doing in the sense that, um, if I wanted to go see a show like kiss, I could have seen kiss or I could have gone to a musical. And that is the sense that this is a, this is musical theater. And so that's why, that's why it's got to be programmed out the way it is. And, that doesn't make them suck. It's not really the performance aspect that's not the issue there. I think I think Jay's big argument is that he doesn't like them as human beings. And okay, that's where I was going to go next. That was my, yeah. So segue. So let's let's yeah. So let's segue into that. That's a perfect segue. So a lot of people have cut down on Gene and Paul for their take on Ace and Peter. Now, whether you listen to Gene and Paul or you listen to Ace and Peter. Everybody has this this argument. They were too stoned and too drunk to know what was going on. And they weren't useful. If you watch some of the I've got the um <clears throat> the Kiss Vault thing, you know, where they have every single interview. Every single one. It's not like they're pick they're cherry picking and going, 
let's leave these good ones out. Let's put these bad ones in. Ace was so drunk. They didn't know what was going to happen during an interview. Yeah. He was yeah. breaking the stuff. And then, <clears throat> and then later, go, I don't know what was going on. You know who he reminds me of in his behaviors? Who's Ozzy that? Osbourne. When they'd have to, they'd have to literally, Ozzy would be so drunk before a show, partially because the band got him drunk because he wouldn't go on stage unless he was half hammered. They'd, they'd throw him in a closet and lock the door and leave him there until it was time to go on stage. Cause they were, they, they were afraid he's going to run off <laughs> I mean, yeah. or, or the, uh, the story where he got in the elevator and, and pissed in the potted plant or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't imagine what dealing with these people on a daily basis would have been like. That's and, right. And, and, and kiss, then, they probably had watertight contracts, which means they can't uh, yeah. just fire these guys. Well, okay. So in the beginning, we have to remember, people have to remember one thing. Ace and Peter weren't fired. They quit. Well, yeah. In the beginning, it's always, I know, I know, but it's always a mutual parting of the ways. That's usually what ends up happening. But the, but the, well, but the thing is that, well, okay. When Peter and Chris, when Peter and Ace first went to leave, they, that was the whole idea of the solo albums. Hey guys. Bill, their their manager was like, no, let's not break up the family. Take a minute, think about it. Let's do some out the some more solo albums. We'll do four solo albums. Whose solo album sp- sold the best? Probably the guys that hired the songwriters, which would have been uh, <laughs> which would have been the the two key ones. Paul, no, or... it was Ace. Really, Ace's solo album sold the best, and so they had printed in the in the um, in the spirit of being equal. Everybody's solo albums, if you look, they all look the same on the cover. And yet they had a different hue. And that hue had something to do with, I can't remember what it was. Um, <clears throat> but it had something to do with their, their image. Yeah, their aura, each right. Individual image, right, some kind of aura thing. Um, back then, people still did dumb shit like that. I'm sure hippies still do it. Um, and uh, so <clears throat> they were, each of the, those individual albums was dedicated to the other members. So, in other words, Aces would have been dedicated to, to Peter, yeah, Peter, Paul, Paul and, Chris, and Gene, right? right? Oh, yeah, and and right. So, what happens is after that, Peter Chris was still too pissy, and he left. He left, and and yes, I'm sure they were they were kind of glad to see him go, but he did leave on his own accord. And this is he was he was um, dating a. Um, a Playboy bunny or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was all kind of weird, and you know, and, and like uh, um, Paul said in his book, wait until she finds out she's married to the ex drummer of Kiss. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um. Anyway, hey, part ways. When the guys came back, this is the big thing that a lot of people are all pissy about. When the guys came back, they they were brought back, but they, but a lot of bands do this when they bring people back because. Those are the same people that took off before. Now, some of the things that, that um, Peter was doing was he was slowing down and speeding up on purpose just to piss him off. He, he didn't know how to read music. He, he was the oldest of them all, and he, he was kind of um, ticked that, you know, you guys didn't pay your dues. I paid my dues. Um, just because you're older and you weren't in a popular band until you joined us, that doesn't mean, you know, but we all, and, and even, you know, the other guys admit this was a band. It was a family. You guys left the family. You divorced us. Now you're asking us to come back. And um, anyway, the um, uh, the, the <laughs> point I'm getting at is when they were brought back, there was there were some stipulations. They were paid not like not like what Roger Waters did to Rick Wright. <clears throat> Rick Wright was um, paid scale, just like yeah. everybody else on yeah. the wall tour. And Which believe is a pretty it or not, dickish move. You you might think so, but believe it or not, Rick Wright was the only one of the band members to make money. Well, because he wasn't actually a member of Pink Floyd. Yeah, but that wasn't done. That but, that, but, that, but that was Ooh. not entering into the equation when they made that decision. The decision no. was made based on the no, fact no, because, that he wanted to shove him around. And that, and that. Well, no, it was Roger Waters. Well, he had already been. He had already left the band. Same thing. Rick Wright, that's keyboard player for Pink Floyd. Those who don't know, <clears throat> had left Pink Floyd. Yeah, and you know, um, to make it um, right. Roger Waters said, all right, we'll take you on tour, but you're a paid, you're a hired gun. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like that, that I'm sorry, 
But whose writing credits are on the first, you know, seven or eight albums? Like that. that I'm sorry, that's bullshit. True, uh, but if you leave, you're 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 no longer. It, it's it, easy to say. And I, I, I get it. It's easy to say that from the business side, but no fan will ever accept that. That's all those people are. That's, that's yeah, just you know, ridiculous. So when Gene, well, when when Ace and um, Peter came back, they got guaranteed money in yeah. the millions of which dollars. Is what, which is why I said like they they were now, a little bit more amicable about it. Now let's think about this for a minute. They could have been paid scale, right? They could have been paid like Tommy Thayer. And then they would have been given fuck all, right? And gotten shit. But instead, they got millions. And if you think about it, Paul and Gene gave them millions, even though they weren't guaranteed that they would make that money in the end. Um, I had, um, I, <clears throat> you got to remember, all your costs come back to the band. It, people want to go, oh, well, the record company paid for this great um, video. No, the record company paid for the video up front, but it came out of your money. Yeah, your, so, your dividends, right? Yeah, so you paid on it, whether you're paying on the front end or paying on the back end, you still paid for it. So anyway, um, here they are. They were this is the this is the um the place I want to come to though. Um I was making no money yesterday. I was in a no band doing nothing, making zero. Now somebody's paying me to play drums, paying me a million or more, play drums, and get on stage. And they're not asking me to pay them for for costs for the tour. Now, question: Were they getting any royalties? Oh yeah, they got royalties for their songs. Then they were yeah. getting paid. Well, yeah, but they were getting yeah. They got what they what do they call those? Some they don't. There's another term. It's for not royalties. songwriting royalties, but they're getting they're getting performance royalties. Well, they get performance royalties. They get songwriting royalties. Yeah, they get paid. Even <clears throat> according to Ace's lawyer, he gets paid every time th- Tommy Thayer shows up in public with the with the uh, space um, base makeup on. Probably, which makes sense. But it, but I would if I was uh, the Kiss guys, I'd gladly pay it because probably a few dollars. Well, compared and to- the reality is, they all understand that they have this. Look, there's no animosity between any of those people because they're all part of the. Um, how do I put this? Like the the brand that is Kiss now. So even if Thayer is out there doing his thing at these conventions and whatnot, that's helping right. further the four main guys who don't give a that's fuck right. about what he's doing. That's right. And Thayer can sit there. Thayer will make no songwriting credit money. Mm-hmm. Thayer gets nothing if he doesn't work. He gets the appearance day. fee. He gets the appearance fee. That's, that's it. right. If, but if he doesn't appear on a day, he doesn't get paid. Oh, well, I'm, it, I'm sure he's got a, a, a I'm, I'm sure his appearance, his yes. appearance fee is very healthy. Um, oh, I sure. haven't dealt with speakers and stuff for, for my line of work. I can tell you that yeah. for very little work, they make quite a bit of money. <laughs> that's right. So, right. Um, but remember when the, when the, um, when the money guys, so uh, another band that did this bill Ward, um, when he came back to, was it Sabbath? Right. When Bill Ward yeah. came back to Black Sabbath, they did the same thing, and then Bill Ward told him to stick it up his ass. Well, ass. I think there's so the whole Black Sabbath thing. There's there's a lot more to that too. Um, there have been various falling outs amongst the members, and I think that was kind of done to say to to basically give him a big fuck you. Um, there well, are some again. things. Yes, I, well, it's but the that's, same thing. No, Jim, really? I I I, re- I really recognize it. I do. Yeah. But the thing is, look, here's the difference between Black Sabbath and those other bands and Kiss. Kiss was started as a business from day one. Those guys didn't get Absolutely. up and say, we just want to make some music and, ha- and have a good time. They said, we want to make some fucking money. And that's the difference here. So that's right. nothing that goes on with this band acting the way that they do is really a negative thing for them because no. that's what they intended to do. And exactly. I will say this. They have been very transparent about how that money is used. And who is doing what and where it's all going. So, I mean, yeah, you can say they're douches till you're blue in the face. And maybe you don't agree with some of their politics. Like, I don't agree with Gene Simmons' history of womanizing, for example. Um, Oh, yeah, big time. But uh, that's what I'm getting at. Look, if you're going to make an attack about who these people are, don't make it on their money. Because that's one thing. 
And I said this right. in the group, every band that has had a number one hit or has had, you know, big radio airplay has had discussions about business. You cannot Smashing act Hopkins. like for a set. You cannot act for a second. Like any of these bands that have been, that you've listened to on the radio have not had those discussions. They Absolutely. are, they are, however, smart enough not to do it in front of the press. So some of them smashing pumpkins. Well, they didn't do it in front of the press. That was tabloid shit that got covered. I mean, you will will never hear Billy Corgan do an interview where they ask him, Hey, how much did you pay? You know, what's his face? Uh, um, You haven't seen his interview with Joe Rogan, did you? Well, now it's, but now it's changing because it's 25 years on. So it's like, once it's in retrospect, that's a whole other animal. Kiss wasn't talking about the business aspect of it in the beginning either because nobody realized how much fucking money they were making up front. Um, yeah, they did. Well, they didn't really make a lot of money. They didn't the make a lot of money in the beginning. It didn't. In fact, I it my didn't understanding blow up until my understanding yeah, is they didn't really start making money until they until they relaunched the band with the whole Todd McFarlane toy line and all that crap. That's right. So that's right. It wasn't until the toys come out. It wasn't until they, the, you know, the real money poured in. Here was the problem. So um, that was the other side of it. So they they. Um, well, you're talking about the original merchandising. I'm saying yeah, yes, the they they made quite a bit of money off that, but it but, wasn't anything compared to when right. the adult fans got a hold the of 90s the fans, comic right. books and all that shit. The comic books that were done with their blood, the DNA comic yeah, books. Yeah, Because that was Stan totally Lee. aimed at adults with money. Like, right. all of that stuff was. Um, Thank you, Stan Lee. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rest of soul. Anyway, so, I'm, done, I'm done talking about Kiss. I don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Can we talk about yeah. something else? Let's talk about Billy Corgan. No, I don't want to talk about him either. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that loser, no. <laughs> yeah, what a loser! Okay, he doesn't have fucking hair. <laughs> Bullshit. No, I I like Billy. I like Billy's voice. I like Billy's songwriting. I don't like the way that Billy has treated various members of his group. However, I will say this: when Smashing Pumpkins started, it was just Billy Corgan. There was nobody else right. involved. James yep. E. Ha and all those other guys. They weren't there. They didn't exist. He, his first demos. We're done with like a drum machine and a fucking refrigerator rack full of effects. And that was, that was the beginning of smashing pumpkins. So as far as he's concerned, everybody's hired gun to him and they always have That's been. Right. So, well, yeah. And when, um, when things started with Billy Corgan, his Joe Rogan interview was interesting because he was, he was recommended by his management to maintain, um, which he did to maintain his rights. And he was like, no, no, I want to make it a family. I want to make it the, and they were like, no, don't do that. In 20 years. You're going to wish you hadn't. So just right. do it this way. They are the band. You are the, you are smashing. Yeah. Pump. You, you are, are the, the brain. And Yeah. And honestly, so, that was a very smart decision on the people that were right. handling him at the time. Yeah. Um, cause that band could have gone on a completely different trajectory had everybody else been dictating what was going on, especially at that time of music. There was like that second resurgence of the drug culture and all that, where um, bands were being devastated by people who who just couldn't control themselves. Perfect example is Alice in Chains. Even though the uh, band was Alice great Chains, and they had yeah. wonderful output, getting some of those takes and some of those songs recorded and getting them out to the masses was a nightmare. Um, now, so we we talk about we could talk about Billy, but I think if we want to talk about an asshole. The guy we need to talk about is Trent Reznor. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the laundry list of people he's worked with, right? And then yep. understand that none of those people ever get any writing credit for anything he does. And nope. that none of those people are considered a member of Nine Inch Nails, right? So, no, because as far as he's concerned, he is Nine Inch Nails. He, he is Nine Inch Nails because he owns That's it right. all. Now, That's right. here's the funny part about that, right? So – a couple of years ago, he he broke up Nine Inch Nails. That was probably born a couple of years ago at this point. He broke up Nine Inch Nails. In other words, there was never going to be another Nine Inch Nails tour. And, he, and then he started touring under the Trent Reznor name. And that lasted all of like 30 seconds. And, he, and then, you know, he's turning around and going, no, I want to do I want to do Nine Inch Nails again because, because he, he, needs sell- the, he needs the brand. And couldn't sell couldn't sell a ticket under the yeah. name Trent Reznor. And, you know, I hate it because, like, some of my favorite – Adrian Ballou has helped yeah. him a number of times by either performing for him live or doing some stuff in the studio. Like, and I hate the fact that he that, – that 
Trent Reznor is willing to abuse his musicians. Um, and now, is, is, at this time in his career, I don't know what the deals look like, but I do know in like the head like a whole era, like very early Nine Inch Nails, those guys were getting paid like a hundred bucks a night to pay, to play. All the musicians. And that was it. They were getting basically nothing. And Trent was, you know, walking away with $2,000 a gig or something. It was just some crazy number. And remember, we're talking about like 1989. So, um, that, you know, that's, that's, that's fuckery, if you ask me. Um, but, you know, he's not a guy that when people talk about these discussions, the first guy that comes up. Like, I always hear the Billy Corgan thing. I'm not surprised to have, have you bring him up in this context. But I, I, Billy Corgan's a saint compared to Tarrant Reznor and some of the things he's done. Um, because at least, you know, at least Billy, like, had the wherewithal to, you know, to continue to deal with these people and, like, make sure that they were at least compensated. I, I know that there, I think there were some lawsuits where somebody didn't get paid, but I think that was more of a, a dispute over, over pay. Not so much. Well, well, no, you have a contract, but I'm just gonna not going to pay you very much at all anyway. So yeah, that was the thing that that was the thing that got me about Trent Reznor is your contract is basically you're getting pay, you're going to be paid peanuts. And that's it. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what? Um, but. I, I guess with both of those artists, they very much like they were the music. They controlled so much of the of the music. I know with Billy, that's not necessarily the case when he put a band together and they did like Gish and stuff like that. And they actually had like musicians on the record and this is the same touring band. Those guys did contribute. Um, They were very responsible for the sound of the band at that time. But when Billy decided he wanted to change the sound of the band party, what he said was, I can't use the same musicians. And that sucks to a lot of people when they don't understand how that works. But if you look at bands, um, a classic example is King Crimson, right? So every time yeah. King Crimson reinvents itself, what does it do? It hires a whole new bunch yep. of musicians. And really, King Crimson is just Robert Fripp. I mean, right. it's Robert Fripp playing band leader to a bunch of guys and, yep. and gals that you know then produce the sounds. And so he's been able to morph the sound of the band by selecting different instruments and musicians. And I, I, I don't see what Billy Corgan has done as being any different than that. Right. Um, and now so little, he's got everybody back together. So yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, there was a little while Billy Corgan couldn't sell out a um, coffee shop. Well, it's because he wasn't using the Smashing Pumpkins brand. Well, it he wasn't was just that he was. Yeah, and he was not doing the music. He was doing this yeah. like psychedelic, weird. He was going the Sid Sid Barrett way. I don't the think. I don't think the period where he was doing the the Zen stuff was as big a colossal flop as people have said it was. Um, it was enough. Well, that, this was from him. Well, but he continued to do it. And if oh, you really, yeah, because he it, loved it. Yeah. I don't, I get remember he, he's like got the same thing. With, it's the same thing with Genesis. When they, when they talk about the Peter Gabriel era, and they're like golden age of Genesis. We couldn't get people to show up to gigs yet. You find all these pictures of crowded venues, you know, where they were performing. So it's like, it doesn't really line up with what the band said. Yes, they were definitely not as popular back then, and they probably weren't making very much money, and that's what that's a reflection of. Um, so, yeah, but I, I don't think it was as – yes, it certainly was a more underground thing for him, but based on like you know, comparing him to a real underground band or, or even your local bands, he's making a fuck lot more money doing that than than we would be you know, playing the same set. Oh, yeah, music. yeah. I'm not, not – I'm just saying that. Um, he isn't making nearly the the numbers that he. Oh no, sure, would sure. But I don't know that he, I don't know that he music. cares. To be honest, that's what with I'm you. saying. The guy, well, he was also smart enough to do a lot of investments with his money. Yes, and then he he did uh, Courtney Love, which that was a mistake. But he did but, Courtney Love too. Yeah, that was a big mistake. Yeah, well, anyone he, who did Courtney Love should should. Have so, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a rivalry between Billy and, um, uh, Kurt Cobain. Was it really? Yeah, yeah I thought that was, I and, heard and I think that. that him ending up with Courtney Love for a while was kind of like a big fuck you to the corpse of Kurt Cobain, because um, it was yeah. after his death. But at the same yep. time, it's like, really? I mean, I, what's going on here? Um, That's kind of maybe a- maybe it's Axel Rose I'm thinking of because I know somebody had some really not so kind words for Kurt Cobain when he was alive, 
and it was, I mean, I think it was, I think it was Billy Corgan. Now they think about it. Um, Billy Corgan is still alive, you know. Um, you got to remember Billy Corgan. Uh, his his musicality is based very much on his. Uh, I guess he. I can't remember if he said he's got exact pitch or perfect pitch or whatever. And may. Um, I could. I I would not be surprised. Yeah, um, and he and so his musicality is based on certain things like you know. I'll be honest with you. He's the one ticket this year that I wish I had bought. Yeah, like, I wish I'd gone to see. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins because I had no idea that tour was going to be what it was and yeah. uh, once I started seeing the YouTube videos come out I'm like fuck like I should have gone because that's like reliving my childhood um, so that would have been reliving my 30s yeah but anyway <laughs> moving right along <laughs> Jim, Jim let's not talk about that anymore when was when when did the Smashing Pumpkins big, get big what year 90 uh, it's like, I want to say it's like 91 is when Gish came out Okay, so my little 20s, early 30s. Oh, yeah. When did 1979 come out, the song? Well, that was later. Uh, yeah. They've been active since 88. Yeah, I knew that. So, uh, mainstream was 92 to 94. Okay, yeah. 30. And then the album that like made my childhood was that Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I think that's if anybody gets any Smashing Pumpkins album, if you had to pick one, that would be the and one. And if you really want to, if I'm going to embarrass myself really bad, but I really like Adore. People can hate me for it. Yeah. I know people yep. hate that record, but. Uh, I like it. But then again, you know, I, I was a, that was one of the few bands that during that time frame, newer music was one of the few bands that I really enjoyed um, coming from the fact that for me, rock kind of ended it. it uh, at Guns N' Roses, you know? And then... Yeah, I mean, I'm, it you're, was not, hard. you're not wrong. Um, yeah. So, I, it started... And although now I go back and I can listen to some Alice in Change. I can listen to some Soundgarden. Alice in and Change I can enjoy is, is another, like... They're definitely a rock band. And so yep. is Soundgarden. But yep. but there are other bands from that period. Yeah, people talk about meat puppets and stuff like that. Like, yeah, that shit doesn't do anything for me. And I wasn't a Misfits fan. I think that's probably why. The Misfits are all another thing because because Misfits are like way earlier. But they but they kind of begot the whole. Well, Kurt Cobain at least says, "Oh, I came from the Misfits." Yeah, but he also had he also had King Crimson and shit too. And that doesn't mean he was anything like him. Like he was way into that that uh, the album Red. And yep. and like cited it as being his favorite record and all this crap in various places. And I'm like, then why didn't you fucking learn to play your instrument? Because that's yeah, the one thing that's right? on Red is like Starless and Bible Black. You listen to that song, you tell me that, that those guys aren't real fucking musicians. You know? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I don't think Robert Fripp and uh, it, it and, doesn't uh, really mesh Kurt very Cobain. well, does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't hear any I don't hear any I hear some Misfits. I don't hear. Um, uh, misfits, but I don't hear wrong. Well, you might be okay, thinking so, you might be thinking Jerry only era misfits, whereas I'm thinking yeah. Danzig era misfits because I don't oh, hear yeah. any fucking Danzig <laughs> in the, in Dude. Nirvana at all. <laughs> no, not in, not in the least. Yeah, Danzig's a completely different thing. Didn't Danzig go off on his own for a bit? Yeah, he did. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff on his own, and of course yeah. he had Sam Ain as well. And um, was, uh, yeah, dude, he's was, one of my favorite artists, but. Was George He's also Lynch one of the craziest ones. I don't think George Lynch has ever done anything with. Uh, Who was it that he worked with? Dawkin. Dawkin. Don Dawkin. That's I had Dan Danzig. Did you, Don Dawkin. Did, you, yeah, did, you did you see? Um. Did you see? I think. I think I shared in the group. Um. Good time has one of the uh, the George Lynch signature guitars. Oh in, yeah. And yeah. they were and they made a comment about it like, "Are you a dream warrior?" <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I was like, I was like, I kind of am. <laughs> I don't know if that that guitar would be. Oh, the, the yeah, that George Lynch signature would be okay. I don't think I could play a Mr. Bones or Mr. Scary, whatever they call it. No, nah, this is the Kamikaze. Yeah, the which Kamikaze is really politically play. correct, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? but I would play it. I don't know if I'd play it on stage, but I'd play it. No, so. so He's a guy that I can't get into. Like I've never been able to get past his tone. I know he's a great George player. Yeah, yeah, I know he's, he's a great an player. Incredible player. I cannot stand his tone. Yeah, it's like it's nails like razor blades. Chopboards. Yeah, I mean it's just ridiculous. Oh, so. terrible! It's it's so grating and just. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty it's, gnarly. 
Yeah. I pre- it, it, that might be why I don't like Nirvana. No, no, that's not why I don't like Nirvana. No, you don't like Nirvana because they use uh, big muffs. That might be. <laughs> and it, I'm so full of shit. They didn't always use so, big muffs, but. So, yeah, so I, I was um, doing some stuff with, uh, as you know, because before we started recording, I was asking you about some stuff with um, my Sharona today. Cause I'm working on that whole. Thank you for that rousing rendition. That goes out for a while, and and it and it changes ever so slightly. Cause if it was like it's called minimalism. Yeah. For those of you who remember some great solos, let's let's talk for a minute about some great long solos that made it on the radio. Freebird made it on the radio. People listen to that, whether you like it or not. Three guitars doing some really killer stuff in that in that uh, sweet child of mine. Sweet child, of November mine. rain. Which one? Oh yeah, November rain. November rain. Uh, All three solos on November rain. Yeah. Um, anything Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. <laughs> Iron Maiden was a ah, oh, jeez, killer. You could take you. I, I don't care if you take um, from Power Slave. I don't care if you pull from even the. Older stuff like um, six 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 number the beast or before, you know I still killers, Iron Maiden, good stuff, just incredible stuff. Anything Dave Murray and of course even when they brought what it was a Janet Gers uh, into the band Yannick, Yannick my friend Yannick Gers, yeah Adrian but Adrian what is it? Adrian tickets to them next year. That's, that's oh yeah, I gotta I gotta get tickets. They're coming. I think the closest I can get is uh, I want to say it's Richmond. Um, area. I'm gonna have to get a hotel. So I've got to. I've got to get worth a hotel, it. and but it's gonna be worth it. It's. It, I, I gotta Just do it. Suck it up and do it. Yeah, Robert Jackson. Thank you, Robert Jackson from Robert's uh, Guitar um, Dungeon. Guitar Dungeon. Um, posted to me. He's and got said, soulmates too. He's going, but he's he's there in the Indianapolis area, and it's gonna be right in Indianapolis. So yeah, he's in the cell. So he's he's gonna be cool. Maybe we should get the. Maybe you should go with Robert. I was thinking about um, it. I was thinking about that's, it. Yeah, big cool. Well, show. I got I got a lot of Maiden fans that live like right near me. Yeah. So I some of them well, are the fans of the show. Chicago, so, yeah. Some of them are fans of the show. Like oh, good. basically the guys I'm going to Cannibal Corpse with. So yeah, we might we might just it. we might just have to make that happen. Um Yep. So uh other anyway, extended um, solos. Um other extended, uh, by Sharona was a big um extended yeah. solo that you could you could sing and hum and um you know, when you when you think about it, oh, oh uh, uh, of course, Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, I think it's overplayed. But it, I'm just saying that it was one of those ones that the radio couldn't just and that's good enough. What about um, shoot, um, comfortably numb, comfortably numb. That, but do you know that that was at least um, a few years ago? That was the number one requested Pink Floyd song. Ever, yeah, in the United States. I know it's like the most overplayed thing too. Uh, I have heard Europa, uh, which is which is Carlos Santana. I've heard that played on the radio before. Oh, oh, Black's Magic or um, Europa, uh, Black Magic Woman. No, Europa. Europa, Europa, very much. Like if I had to pick one, that would be the one. Um, I, technically, I light my fire. I mean, oh yeah, there's a yeah, really long fire. fucking guitar solo in that one. It's only like three minutes long. <laughs> What's the other one? What's the other big one uh, of theirs? Um, is, it, is there a long solo in Love Me Two Times? No, they're they're pretty short. Like most of his solos are pretty short and concise. Um, I guess Whole Lot of Love. I know when he was asked to join the band, he was like an acoustic player. And he kind of jumped in there and it was like, now, no, you need to play an electric. <laughs> Whole Lot of Love, probably. And yep. then Cemetery Gates. I I've heard that played on our, our some of our local rock stations yep cemetery um, gates oh well okay well then we gotta we gotta talk van halen one of the one of the only um, eruption yeah. eruption that's what i was gonna say one of the only guitar uh uh true instrumentals that i heard on the radio of course they always played it with you know back to back with jamie crying but stranglehold stranglehold Oh, just about everything that their was fucking one this, note is like is like seriously like twenty seconds long. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Stranglehold. Um, um, oh, uh, Detroit Rock City. Um, but right along with uh, uh, the, actually, the Nuge, everything a, by the Nuge. Any of the Randy Rhodes stuff. Oh. Because yeah. those songs have long fucking solos. Like like Mr. Crowley. Think about how long Crowley. that guitar solo is. It's long. Yep. Um, Over the Mountain. Over the Mountain. Another, another perfect one. Yeah. Uh, what about Aqualung from uh, Jethro Tull? Oh, yeah. Aqualung, my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a long solo in that. And then um, I'm just going to actually have. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give away He's my Googling secret. I have Guitar World up right now, and it's it's the 50 greatest solos from Guitar World. So I'm just oh, scrolling no. through and looking for long ones that they play on the radio. Uh, oh no! So one of the one of time. the songs that was what's that? Time. time, Pink Floyd. You know one of the um, oh another one uh, Money, but yeah. you know because um, uh, after the sax solo that Cliffs of Dover. What's that? Cliffs of Dover. I've heard that on the radio. Oh yeah, Cliffs of Dover. There ain't any fucking um, words in that one. <laughs> oh, that's another uh, great uh, one of the few instrumentals that really got any airplay. Highway Star, uh, yep. any of the Deep Purple stuff because they all have extended solos, and um, the, of course, Smoke on the Water has a pretty long extended solo there. Not just guitar, but also organ in those songs. You shook me all night long. Yeah, Layla, Layla. So yeah. yeah. Uh, the point is so, that well, for those of you that think that all guitar solos are short, uh, you might want to rethink that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just want to say that, that the, um, the guitar solo, the long solo for uh, my Sharona written out is one, two, three, four. Yeah. Most of it's 16th or 32nd notes. <laughs> and yes. And very much of it goes. Yeah. That's probably like a full page right there. Um, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six pages. So six pages typed of tablature and notes, because I got the melody line on top in uh, note standard notation on the uh, tablature bottom. Six pages. That is that is a killer killer length for a pop song. I'm talking about pop song though. My Sharona is one of the few pop songs like that. You, you, you know, the, the thing that killed me about, so let's talk a bit about your favorite solos because, okay, Guitar World, obviously they, they put these favorite solos in there and Nick and Kurt Cobain's gets in there. What the hell did Kurt Cobain do? I didn't do? see Kurt Cobain in here. Well, they had one in their Greatest 100 solos. No, I think he was in Greatest 100 Guitar Players of All Time. No, it was solos. It was, uh, it was um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. I went, what the... There's Pocus no solo, solo in that song. It smells like teeth. That's what I said. But it's in there. I'll have to send that to you. But anyway, this is this is one of those underrated solos. But you know, you take uh um Jim fell for the clickbait. Anything, <laughs> of course. You you take anything that, that comes from Leonard Skinner. The the thing I want to say about any of these solos, I don't care which one you pick, what whether it's one of your favorites or you know, which my favorites, whatever. What is the one thing about that solo that you can say, this is why I love that solo? For me, it's For you. Uh, that you can you. remember it, that you can remember it. Yeah. Like that it's memorable. an integral part of the song and that you, ha- you right. have to be able to have it in your memory. Yep. It has to be there. The song, just like a verse, is missing something if it's not there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing, you know, uh, whether you think it's overplayed or not, comfortably numb, both those solos take you to a different place. Um, My Sharona, the solo takes you to another place. It takes you into that insanity because it kind of starts slow and then it speeds up and speeds up and speeds up and becomes more and more erratic. And Can we just talk about that? So the fact that they did the solo with a Les Paul and an AC 30. I know, right? <laughs> like what the There's fuck? No pedals. Who the hell decided that one? We're just going to use a Les Paul and do an AC 30. Fuck it. You know? <laughs> That's that's a classic. And there's all, nothing all the like, AC thirty guys in the group are going, "You fucking idiot!" <laughs> to me right now, like you fucking idiot. And the only thing he had pre-written when he went in to do this song was that dum, dum, down, 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 down. Yeah, down. yeah. They just made that, <laughs> that shit up on G, the spot. Yeah, that G thing with the C and B flat. That was all he had written. And then the solo goes where? 
it goes to the key. It goes to C major. So it comes from G major and goes into C major. Just a weird transition. That full was at uh, fourth. Well, it's uh, it's a fifth if you if you look at it from the, the perspective of C. Yeah. Um, which which I think is the way he approached that was like, well, it would be a fourth of G or whatever. You know, you know what I mean? Like it, those are relative keys. They're very close. Yeah. They only have one sharp and flat different. So you're yep. only, you know, there's not a whole lot of difference in those modes. So it just no. kind of worked. Yeah. I use a lot of, if I'm, if I'm working in A minor or C, I'll go to G or E minor like all day long because they're, they're literally, the only difference is F sharp. Well, I'm just, well, all I was doing was talking about how the band goes from playing uh, G, C, and B flat. Yeah. I mean, that had to be worked out when they were working yeah. on it in the studio. Like they were playing it and they're like, we need to do something with the solo to, you know, to pep it up a little bit. And they're like, well, how about we try this? Yeah. How about bringing it up to C? Cause bringing it up that full fifth brings, it brings it into a whole new, um, whole new feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, so anyway, fourth, but yeah, yeah, I think that the one thing that, um, so I've been, I've been, watching a lot of um youtube of of folks I, you know in different communities that play these solos and um you know they post them up and it's like i want to go i want to say to them nicely but how do you tell somebody you're not even in tune i mean if you're going to do something and post it which i have no problem with at least try to tune your guitar before you start playing and then the other thing that that um, that kills me. I mean, you can make mistakes. We should all make mistakes. We should be. That's should, part of the learning process. Exactly. Uh, but but the two things you should think about is, is uh, um, are being in tune and at least trying to be in the same key. If it's one thing, if you blow a few notes, even if you blow a line, but if you're the whole time like you're playing one song, <laughs> the backing tracks playing another, that's when I go. It, it, you really should listen back. You know I'm just I mean? laughing because Jim's like talking about blowing a few notes, and I'm thinking about like the last couple of times that I've done anything on on like Facebook or whatever. <laughs> like a couple of notes, fuck. I mean, yeah, I've blown and, a whole freaking bar. And, and, and the dumb part is like, hey, wait, that's a not me being a bad player. Like that's just me learning something. Uh, when I'm actually playing something I know, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so anyway. I think that's the hardest thing is that, that um, uh, you I, I want to say, I just, I just want to give about it. Yeah, but you got to have it. Yeah, but you got to have a, um, you got to have, a, you got to have two things. You got to have a sense of humor about it and you've got to have a sense of, okay, I did that. I recognize it. Yeah. I mean, the only way you get better okay. is to see it like played back and then you go, all right, right. next time I need to try to work on it. But, but for me, like, it's not even so much that I, I'm trying to demonstrate something that I don't fully know how to do yet and haven't used it in a lot of context in six months. You come back to me and look at some of these techniques I've been learning in the last couple of weeks and they're yeah. going to be in a different place. Yeah. And so the, you're going to be like, damn, <laughs> I wanted you to talk a little bit about your, um, uh, your movement through, uh, Chris Brooks book. Um, so I'm on, so the book is break, basically broken down to four different technique sections. So I've gotten through all of the, the single string stuff. I'm trying to use his his method outline, which is like, do this all for a week. But I don't have, I, I'm rarely getting enough time to do it. So what I'm doing is I'm doing it over like three weeks. Um, so I'm on chapter three now. So I've done the single single string. I've done the ascending stuff. And I've done uh, descending four note patterns. Now I'm starting to do descending piccato, which is three note patterns mixed with four notes. And that's where shit gets really tip, uh, really difficult because then you got to start like thinking on the flies like is this pattern three notes or four notes, right? Because that's going to determine how you know how you pick. Yep. And because um, you're working on the economy part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's just starting to get to the point where it's kind of like doing it on its own for me, um, where I've done it enough now that my brain just kind of says, okay, so this could be a four note pattern, so I'll just you know add the extra picking motion in. But it's it's yep. not it's not automatic yet. And it, and it'll get there. Um, I don't really know that I'm going to use the Piccato all that much. I think it's an interesting technique yeah. to have. Um, it certainly does make you like more efficient. I don't think it sounds as good as picking the notes independently, which I can do. Um, a, a lot of this material, like I've gotten good enough at doing alternate picking that, yeah, it's not perfect, but I mean, I, I can, I can 
get through it and and make it sound very like disconnected and like it should be staccato. I think that the idea is that you're putting another tool in your toolbox. Yeah. When I'm exposing when, myself to shit that I wasn't necessarily aware of before. Well, I blew a whole bar earlier, so I guess exposing yourself is a completely different thing. But um, on another note, <laughs> Jim, I'm gonna need to, I'm gonna need to get a fucking lawyer for the damage control for you. <laughs> on another note, um, the uh, what I was getting at is that um, people when they when they when they look at playing, this was one of the things I was getting to when I was talking about people playing, you know, in tune and stuff. One of the things that that makes a, a solo good when you're soloing is knowing when to give air, you know, so kind of listen to yourself breathing and kind of go, OK, you know what? If I imagine I, myself, I absolutely suck at this. So, yes, that's and I was going to say that. Fuck you, Jim. No, I don't. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that if you think about the solos that, that do this, it's not that they stop. It's just that they slow down to give the the person air unless there's a reason that you want it it's frantic it's like i can't breathe i'm being so frantic about it but but to overuse that it's just um, it's just like diction and and in sentences when you speak you don't always use the same long sentence patterns because then nobody would ever be able to fucking listen to you and they'd all be asleep um i there was a there was a and i and i'm gonna i'm gonna use this because i know it's a real world example everybody in this group can understand because it's because we all speak right um i was in college and i got a I got a sheet from a professor with sentence patterns on it and he was and it was a style class so the whole idea was that you could use these sentence patterns and if you use one of the seven patterns like every five sentences then your 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 work will improve dramatically and it does and a lot of the things that it's that, that they get into is like nobody uses short sentences anymore so, like, end a paragraph with something like, you know, David lied. And that would be that that right. would be the uh, a sentence unto itself. Like, we don't think about that stuff. And our right. brains are, are, aren't are designed to, to work that way. And they're certainly not cultured that way in our school systems. So it's just, you know, you got to you got to kind of like take a step back and think about it when you're structuring something. Now. My problem is doing this on the fly because a lot of my stuff tends to be pretty improvised. Um, that can be a challenge is to like insert that, you know, while you're playing it, but right. And, and right. During improvisation, it's just like anything else. It's comedy too. Comedy has a rhythm, right? Speech has a rhythm. Writing has a rhythm to be effective. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, like when you and I talk now, we do it. We do it naturally when we talk back and forth. I, I take some time. You take some time. I take some time. You and by doing that, that makes things a little more interesting. I hope to our listeners. But if it They're doesn't, all fucked. Yeah, <laughs> so screwed. But we have a little bit of that. We're like you break in like that. We get a little comic relief, and we do that. Any movie. I mean, if you watch a movie, even a horror movie. It's not slash, 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 slash all the, the way. Only the only time where the action is like from start to finish in a film, there's two times. One is Fury Road from Mad Max. And then the other one is a porn. <laughs> I don't even know about that. Right. Yeah. Oh, I Looks don't know like what the fuck kind a... of porn you've been watching. Shit. You, you, a... you like all them dry parts where nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drive to the store. Jim's watching log jamming right now. <laughs> it looks like you need a you need a massage. Oh my God, do we really just talk about <laughs> pornography on this podcast? This is amazing balls. Hey, you know what? the 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 amazing, the more more amazing, uh, blah, the more amazing thing about porn is it's a four point seven billion dollar industry <laughs> that only has like one or two people looking at it. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody looks at it. But anyway, kind of like um, our podcast, that's, huh? That's like Kiss, the ba the band Kiss. They, they're um, you know, a band that makes millions and millions of dollars that has but nobody no cares. Yeah, no one likes them. Yeah. But on the uh, um to to kind of sum that up, all I'm saying is that that a solo, a good solo. Is something you can sing, even if it's a short one. Think about some of your favorite riffs. 
um, folks. Think about some of your favorite solos. Put them in the put them in the podcast. To get a chance, maybe Iron post Man. yourself playing it. It's a it's a um, fun thing to have those in your pocket. Obviously, those are the things you go to when you sit down at Guitar Center or you go to wherever and you try out a guitar. You're going to try it doing what? Doing what you play, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. You may have a go-to riff. You may have a um, a go-to key that you play in, right? Yep. It's going to be something, something that you feel because you don't know if you're comfortable with the guitar if you're not playing something comfortable. Because if you're trying to play uncomfortable, you don't know if it's the guitar that's being uncomfortable or what you're doing that's or maybe you're just numb. I, you could be comfortably numb or uncomfortably numb. You never know. Mm-hmm. And I've been Jim. And I've been David. This has been those practical guitarists <laughs> without any rhythm. Yeah, not this time.